0: This morning, we are in the second week of our Lenten Sermon series. Uh, this, I believe, throughout this series, uh, we're exploring the foundations of the Christian faith through the Apostles' Creed. Kind of looking at uh, each, each particular part of the Creed, uh, and talking about what it means to be followers of Jesus Christ. What it is that we've professed uh, the faith uh, for uh, two millennia now. And so, uh, we began last week with what it means to believe and the importance of what we choose to believe in. We talked about how uh, believing, when we're saying, I believe in, uh, that we are moving in the direction of the thing that we're believing in and that uh, we are trusting in what we believe in. When I say, I believe in, in the creed, I'm I'm making a statement of trust, a statement of faith. Uh, I'm I'm making a, a moving statement. I'm moving towards who I'm choosing to believe in. And it matters what we believe in uh, because the object of our belief, the thing that we believe in, the amount of trust that we put into it, it has to be strong enough to hold us. We've got we to believe in something that is going to be able to, to hold us up, to contain us, to lift us up. And so throughout the Apostles' Creed, we are, we're making the statement of, I believe in. And the first line, the way it begins, uh, the first part of our Christian foundations of the faith as I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And and it's worthwhile to note that it doesn't just say, I believe in God, right? That it it goes on and it begins to define who it is that we believe in. If it was just left at, I believe in God, that would give us uh, really too much freedom to begin defining and identifying God however we wanted. We could kind of create our own God. But instead, the the creed, the authors of it, uh, the church throughout the centuries has wanted us to identify and understand and know that the God that we believe in is is different, is distinguished from any of the other gods that are out there, other gods that people might believe in, uh, and that this is one of the ways that distinguishes him. He is the Father Almighty maker of heaven and earth. And so this morning we're going to talk about what it means for us to believe in a God who is the maker of heaven and earth, what it means for us to be able to call this God our Father. And our first scripture reading comes from Genesis chapter 1, uh, verses 1 and 2, this is the very beginning of your Bible, if you have your Bibles with you, you just turn the first couple of pages uh, and you're there right on the mark. And so we'll read these verses here, uh, Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, um, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. That's the word of God for us, the people of God. We say thanks be to God. The very first pages of the Bible uh, tells us of God's creating power. Right, when There's nothing of this world, nothing in existence, God created. And Genesis goes on here in chapter 1 to tell us that uh, God spoke and there was light. God spoke and night and day were separated. God spoke, the earth and the skies were divided. God spoke and the waters brought forth living creatures. God spoke and the earth was filled with wild animals. God said, God spoke and it happened. Uh, this is the God that we believe in, who, who speaks and things come into being. I say a lot of things, uh, and nothing really happens a lot. So, so it's quite remarkable to me that God speaks and things happen, right? That God's spoken into being, and, and this is the kind of power and creativity that we are invited to place our trust in. God created everything from the majesty and the grandeur of the tallest mountains down to the intricacies and the beauty of, of butterfly wings, uh, to the genius of an ant, which can carry up to 20 times its body weight. Right? For, for you and me, that would mean we would be carrying like 4,000 pounds. Uh, and God crafted that kind of power and ingenuity into an ant. And, and I don't know why God does, but there's a part of it I think that's just designed to invite us to marvel and to wonder at this God who has made it all. Uh, We even see, as my kids like to say, that God has a sense of humor because he made the duckbill platypus. (laughs) I mean, it it means something to be able to say, I believe in that kind of God whose speech brings forth life, who operates with beauty and with, with humor, yet also this unmatched power and glory. I mean, this is the kind of God that I can put my trust in. And scripture guides us in placing our trust in this creator God, echoing his nature as the one who creates and also the one who cares for his creation. And Isaiah 40 reminds us, it says, do you not know, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. And he will not grow tired or weary. His understanding no one can fathom. This creator God isn't too busy. He hasn't gone away somewhere. He hasn't grown tired. God is still there for you. The God who made the heavens and the earth and everything within it isn't too busy for you. Isn't too overwhelmed by everything to care for what's going on in your life. In Psalm 121, verse 1 and 2, it reminds us that when uh, we are facing times of trouble, that I can lift my eyes up to the hills where does my help come from. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. When we struggle with with who we are or why we're still here, the psalmist reminds us with this song of praise that it was you, it was God who formed my inward parts, who knit me together in my mother's womb, that I can praise him for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are his works I know very well. It reminds us of God's deep care for, for each of us at an individual level, not just for the, for the vast enormity of all of creation, but you. God made you unique, special, gifted for a purpose. And the psalmist is oftentimes so overwhelmed by it all, and by thinking about all of creation and the wonders of it, That he writes in Psalm chapter eight, verse three and four, When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established, right? When I look out at all of creation, what are humans that you were mindful of them? Mortals that you would care for them. When I take a look at everything that your hands have made, when I when I look and see that you spoke and all this came to be, and it's so incredible that you would think about humans in general. Even more so that God would love and care for for me or f- for you as an individual. Uh, it really is incredible when you stop, when you slow down, when we take a step back and we begin to think about it. That the God who made the heavens and the earth and everything in them cares enough about creation, cares enough about you and me, that, that he stays involved. That God hasn't abandoned the world, that he hasn't abandoned you or me, that he hasn't left us all behind But he desires that we would draw close to him, that we would know him, that that we would walk with him, that we would have an intimate connection and relationship with him. This is what it means when we talk about this God who is the maker of heavens and the earth being our father. Uh, this is part of what distinguishes the Christian God from, from all of the other gods that are out there because you know, lots of religions have creation stories an account of how we got here, an origin story of, of some sort. That's something that most religions have. But I think one of the things that makes the Christian story, the Christian God, so unique is this understanding that the God who created the heavens and the earth desires a relationship with us. This is what I'm saying when I say I believe in God, the Father, maker of heaven and earth. It's that same God who created it all, wants to be in a relationship with me, desires to be in a relationship with you. And we call God our Father, not because we're somehow denoting that God's male or that that's somehow better or more important, but we call God Father because that's what Jesus did. And Jesus invites us to share the same relationship that he had. There's scriptures that speak about God being a a comforter like a mother does her child. Or or Jesus even says, you know, how a mother hen longs to gather her brood under her wings. But Jesus teaches us to address God as father. That's why we do, because we're following in his footsteps. Because he's invited us into a relationship that he shares with his father. And so we begin to understand and address and know God as father. And to help us think through this a little bit more, we're going to read Galatians chapter 4 verse 4 through 7. Uh, you can turn with me there. Galatians chapter 4, uh, verses 4 through 7. All right. And it reads, When the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman born under the law, In order to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as children. And because you are children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a servant, but a child. And if a child, then also an heir through God. This passage uh, lays out what God has done for us in Jesus, that, that God, the one who is the maker of the heavens and the earth, sent his son Jesus to be our redemption, and that through being redeemed by Christ's life, death, and resurrection, we become his children through adoption. And now back when Paul was writing this, adoption was a pretty significant practice. This is a major thing that he's underlining for us, that that we've been adopted as God's children. And I I know even now, I mean, I haven't adopted children, but I know people who have adopted. I mean, it's still a big deal. Back then, it carried a whole other kind of significance with it as well. Uh, In the Roman world, adoption was a way that a man could pass along his estate uh, to someone and to carry on his name. It was a way in which a man might be able to even provide care for loved ones that might not be able to, to, to take ownership of the estate. Uh, in Paul's time back in the Roman Empire, only men could have property, uh, were able to create wealth. And if a man didn't have a son or one that he felt was capable of managing his estate, he could adopt somebody as his child that would be capable of that, and so adoption wasn't even just for for little children. Adoption could be, you know, grown grown men being adopted as sons into a new family. Doing this would ensure that his estate would be managed and cared for, and also would ensure that his loved ones, the other people under his household, would be cared for by somebody who could manage the estate well. And when the adoption was legally approved, the adoptee would have all of his debts canceled if he had any. He would receive a new name, a new identity as part of the family and would become the legal son of his adoptive father entitled to all of the rights and benefits of a son. They would be part of the family. Uh, They would be an heir of all that exists within that family. And so when Paul is using this language that we've been adopted into God's family, he's, he has all this in mind. Right? Being adopted by God through faith in Jesus means that we are a part of God's family. We're not just servants or hired help. We become sons and daughters of the one who is the maker of the heavens and the earth. Now elsewhere in scripture, it uses the term co-heirs with Christ, meaning that everything that belongs to God is ours as well because of what God has done for us, because the love that he's shown us to invite him to be a part of his family. And then uh, in Galatians, it tells us that God sends uh, the spirit of his son to dwell within our hearts as a reminder of who we are as his children. Uh, As a signifier of the relationship that we have, the spirit cries out within our own hearts, Abba, Father, and when I hear Abba Father, like at first, to me, it sounds like it's a, a formal kind of thing. Uh, maybe Abba is like, you know, mister, uh, or something, something like that. Um, but yeah, that's really what it is. Uh, most commentators have said that Abba Father is most closely akin uh, to a, a child going up to their father and calling out daddy. You know, a, a term of endearment, a, a term that expresses a close, deep relationship it uh, brings up the image of a little child who's just running up to sit on their father's lap. Uh, on, it makes me kind of think of this. That on Tuesdays, I get a chance to spend time with uh, my two-year-old. That's kind of our day together. All the rest of the kids and my wife, they're gone to do their thing. Uh, they're part of a co-op. And, and so me and him uh, go and spend the day together. This past week, I took him to the park. He's about 20 months old, less than two years old. Went to the park and, and he looks and he says, Daddy, slide me. And so he runs over and he goes down the slide and I catch him at the bottom, right? And then he runs over to the swings, Daddy, swing me. And so, okay, go and push him in the swing. After the park, we went to lunch. Uh, I had a great you know, subway date at Walmart there. Um, it made me think, you know, he's, he's two, he's still little. He can't provide his own food. He does nothing for himself, really. It's something that I had, to, I had to gather. I got for him. I broke it down into bites so that he could take it and make sure that he ate it safely. Then we went home and I, I sit down in a chair for a minute and he runs up to me with a book. Daddy, read me, right? And it just reminds me of the kind of, Uh, The kind of relationship that God desires for us to have with him, where we just are so excited uh, for him to be a part of our life, where we invite him into each and every part to to go down the slides and the swings of life, right? To, To read through, to walk through life together. This is what it means for us to call God our Abba Father. Uh, Not just the kind of relationship that we can have with him, but but what he desires for us and from us. And and if you can imagine the kind of joy that you have in a little child who's running up to you, calling out, you know, mommy or daddy. uh, The same way that hearing his voice uh, calling out to me brings joy to my life. God God delights in, uh, has joy in our calling out to him even more. Because God's love for us, his desire for us, is even greater than what we might have for our own children. This is what it means when we call God our Abba Father, that he loves and he cares for us with an even greater love than what we can imagine, with a greater joy than what our own children can even bring, that we have a God that that we follow, who is the creator of heavens and earth, who is a good father to us. That cares for us deeply. In Matthew seven twelve, Jesus tells us. He says, "If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask Him?" I mean, your Abba Father loves you deeply, and He invites you to trust Him with each and every part of your life, each and every part of your being, uh, to to see His wisdom. And to listen, to seek his guidance in your life. To trust his provision as you follow his will. To lean not on your own understanding, but but to acknowledge him. And to follow the path that he's laid out for you. To not try to be like the ant and carry the, the burdens and the weight of the world on your shoulders. But to cast your cares on him, knowing that he cares for you. To not worry about your life, but to trust in the inheritance of heaven and life eternal that he's offered to us through Jesus Christ. I believe in God, the father, my father, your father, almighty, the maker of heaven and earth. I believe I have an Abba father, a heavenly father who loves me deeply, who sent his only begotten son to pay the price to redeem me from my sins so that I might be adopted into his forever family. And that's, that's the kind of God that, that I can trust in. That's the kind of God that I can find joy in. Because I know that he loves and he cares deeply for me. And I know that he loves and he cares deeply for you as well. Let us pray together. Almighty and gracious God, our heavenly father, we thank you for the love that you have for us, the ways in which you've shown that love to us. We pray that we might find joy in our relationship with you, that our trust and our faith in you might continue to grow because we know that. You have our interests and our good at your heart. You have the good of the world in your heart. We know that you are the God who speaks and has everything come into existence, that you are mighty and powerful. We thank you for that. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.